All right, all right. Make sure you guys make sure you guys find the table to sit at with other people. Don't sit by yourself. Hey, let's just uh, show some thanks and appreciation for those who cook the food for the worship team. Also, uh, also for Francis for being vulnerable on the stage. And it's, it's always powerful when, when, when someone shares their story and, and is willing to share their, not only the good, but the, the heartaches, because I think that's, that's why we're here, to share in one another's burdens. And it also, um, also reminds me that, you know, salvation isn't just about fire insurance. It's also about becoming a whole person and being mended and healed of just stuff that we go through in life. And so that's what God wants to do. And it's just, uh, and it's just so hard, the difficulty of really trusting God with our heart. You know, He can be our Savior, but a lot of times it's really hard to trust Him as our King, you know, to trust Him with our heart and with our life and our, our plans and our future. And it's just amazing to see what he, what he could do in Francis when she took that step of faith and, and did that. And so that's just, a, that's just amazing, you know, and I love it just hearing that. And hopefully we'll have more of you guys up here and to share about communion or about your life. And, and so, um, but we're in the, if you've been with us, this is the gathering, and this is a little bit different than Sundays. We go verse by verse, which at first I didn't like, and I'll be honest. I like topical preaching because you can preach about what you want, and and you don't have to talk about stuff that's hard or boring. But the, the thing is, is that when you go verse by verse, you, you can't avoid certain topics. You know, we've had some very hard topics uh, that we talked about on Wednesdays, some awkward topics, but it's, it's in the Bible, and it's, uh, it's very important. You know, it's, it's easy to just talk about the good things, but, you know, tonight especially, we're going to be talking about something that is kind of controversial, if not dividing in the church. We're... We're talking about spiritual gifts, and the two ones, the, the two gifts that Paul is speaking about is the gift of tongues or languages and the gift of prophecy. And those two things are kind of heated between charismatics and some evangelical circles which don't believe in the manifestations of the Spirit in modern day times. They believe that it ended after the original apostles. Now, hopefully, we're, we're going to open up the word and and kind of see for yourself what you believe, you know, what you've experienced, and to, and to see what's right. And unfortunately, I have to say this, is that, you know, you can pretty much open up the Bible and make it agree to whatever you want to say. You know, there's a lot of people, you go on the internet or whatever, you can find any kind of verse to make it agree with your viewpoint, but the hopefully that we would be people under the Word, who revere the Word, and, and we're not going to throw our biases in it, which is difficult. And so, tonight we're talking about some of the gifts. And if you were here for Randy's sermon, he, he touched on some of the gifts. He talked about, I think I have a slide, you know, there's gifts of wisdom, there's knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and inter inter interpretation. And like I said, we're going to talk about the prophecy and, and tongues tonight. And hopefully, as we've been talking about gifts, this might seem a reiteration of what we've already talked about. Dustin talked about gifts. Randy talked about gifts. Um, hopefully, you know by now whether 
or what spiritual gift you have. And if you, and if you haven't, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, hopefully you've kind of begun a, uh, a process where you're asking God or asking other people what your spiritual gift is because the importance is, is that God gives us these gifts in order to bless one another, in order to bless the church, and even to, to bless ourselves. And so that's, that's important. And I think the question tonight that I want to specifically focus on is how are you using this gift in order to, to strengthen and to to build the church. Paul is going to focus a lot, very heavily, on that. And so if you, if you want to stand with me just to revere the word, and we're just going to begin. And we're in chapter 14, chapter 14, verse 1. And Paul writes, So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can come here once again, that we can worship you, that we can be changed and renewed in our mind by your word, Lord. And I pray that uh, tonight's word would strengthen people, that it will comfort people, that it would even uh, challenge people where there needs to be challenged, Lord. And so let us grab a hold of it, God, and I just pray your spirit be working here tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this uh, other translation, this one by J.B. Phillips, and he, and he says this, he says, follow then the way of love while you set your hearts on the gifts of the Spirit. Now, Jeremy spoke about the love chapter last week, he talked about loves, you know, if you, if you don't, you can speak in the, the tongues of angels or you can do this, and, but if you don't have love, you really have nothing, and that's what he spoke about last week, and, and Paul, once again, is reminding the church that Love is ultimately the prize in which we're running for. You know, the, the Corinthian church was a very young church, and they're very zealous. They're very excited about spiritual gifts, as you can imagine. And this is a good thing. Paul says, this is great that you desire these things. It's actually better than not desiring them at all. But what we want to remember that love is our highest aim. Every, even spiritual gifts, which is kind of a, a stretch. Even spiritual gifts can be misused if they aren't grounded in love. And if you want to stretch a little bit further, if you think about it in heaven, we're not going to need a lot of the spiritual gifts. I don't think we're going to need faith in heaven. I mean, he's going to be there. We're going to be in the throne room. We're not going to need faith. We're not going to need prophecy. We're not going to need a lot of the gifts. But the only thing that's going to remain is love once we're there. And so that's something to to remember that that is the foundation of everything. Paul continues, he says, It is good that you are enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. When someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says because he's not speaking to people, but to God. He's speaking intimate mysteries in the Spirit. So right away, Paul established that the person speaking in tongues is speaking to God. And it, it's a gift that's primarily God-focused. And, and even he, he says in the, in the Word that they're speaking mysteries in the Spirit. And I want to define this Word because I think some churches define tongues as only an unknown earthly language, but I really believe that it includes 
uh, heavenly language as well. And this is what mystery says. A mystery is outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension or reason. It can only be known by divine revelation or, or divine, uh, divine uncovering. And so if you think about it, it, it it's, it's, it's talking about something that, that we can't rationalize, that we can't understand unless God reveals it to us. And I think the danger lies, and there's some people that think that they can understand everything. I mean, there was somebody at my door one time, and he was, I was having a, a conversation with him, and he really believed earnestly that, that there was no such thing as any mystery that you couldn't find in the Bible. And I'm like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. It seems like the more I read the Bible, the more, the more mystery I believe that there's in it, because I'm a finite human being. And I've come to the point where unless God had, reveals it to me, I'm not going to understand it. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my own human bias, my own human reason or intellect and try to make the word make sense instead of allowing God to change my heart, to remove the blinders or the, remove the scales of my eyes so I can actually see the word for what it is. And that's a humbling thing. And so I think with tongues, that's, that's uh, one of the mistakes we, we think. And if we look at the definition of tongues, I have a definition. It's really just, you can also call it languages. It's to speak in a language that is unknown to them. You know, someone that has a gift, they, can, they have the ability to speak, whether an earthly language or a heavenly language, that they don't know. They haven't learned. Like I said, it's earthly or heavenly. It's used in praying to God, giving of thanks and or praise. And this is the one gift, if you look in Jude 20, it's the one gift. That it says it builds up the individual. Now, my question is, is that I just want to see with a show of hands, does anybody know somebody with the gift of tongues or has a gift of tongues, just as a show of hands? So I think we've had some exposure to it. There's some, I, I personally, I don't, I prayed for the gift of tongues. I haven't received it yet, but I know people that have it. You know, I know Randy has it, J-Rod has it. Ed has it, the Christ who plays drums. There's people that have that gift, and I, I keep praying for it. It hasn't happened yet, which doesn't mean that God doesn't want to give it. It just hasn't happened yet. So I keep, I keep praying and, and, and seeking that. But if you, if you desire a spiritual gift, if you remember James, he talks about all you got to do is ask. It was specifically about wisdom, but wisdom is a spiritual gift, and I assume that if you want a spiritual gift, all you got to do is ask. And don't just ask one time. Pray until something happens. That's my new kind of prayer motto. Push. Prayer into some, pray, pray until something happens. Don't just give up. Don't just pray one time. Keep praying. Keep pressing in. Like J-Rod was saying earlier, in order to grow, you've got to press into that. You've got to work. You've got to keep seeking, and it will be open to you. And I believe it's the same uh, with that. Also, Someone else gave me some great advice. He was saying, if you desire to seek a gift, you can ask someone that has that gift to pray for you. Because sometimes God wants to use humans, he wants to use people in order to impart spiritual gifts. It was interesting in Acts, it seemed like when they asked if they received the Spirit, and they hadn't, they would lay hands on them and pray for them that they would receive the Spirit, even though that they knew Jesus and they believed in the work of the cross. It was just that was just interesting that they did that. Now, he's, Paul's going to contrast tongues with the gift of prophecy. 
And this is the other gift I wanted to talk about. He says in verse 3, when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people, to build them up, and to bring them comfort. There's three things right there. Encourage people, to build them up, to bring them comfort. The one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress, while the one who prophesies builds up the church. So we see right away prophecy is, is primarily people-focused, while tongues is, is primarily God-focused. It's meant to, to build one's own walk, while prophecy is meant for other people. It's, it's, it's meant for the entire church to build the entire church. And I have a, another definition for us about prophecy. It says it imparts inspired direct words of encouragement, warning or consolation for the present or future. It's to speak forth divine counsel. It can be for the future, but most of the time it's for the current. Example of that is Agabus, you know, when he told Paul that he would be bound by the Jews, arrested by the Jews in Jerusalem. Also, he actually predicted a, a famine and warned people of an upcoming famine that the church was going to happen. And prophecy gets a, a bad rap because we think of like Nostradamus, we think of fire and brimstone end times kind of weird prophecy or the Mayan calendar, you know, or we, you know, that was a big deal a while ago. And I always say, well, if they couldn't predict their own demise, they can't predict mine. And so, I don't know. I don't know why people get crazy about that. But really what prophecy is for, it's for, the, it's for now. It's, it's for encouragement. Verse 3 says it, it builds people up. It encourages people. It, it brings them comfort. And I like to think that preaching and teaching can be included in the category of prophecy. You know, God can use a sermon or a word that I say or somebody says to that could really be a timely word for somebody. I know he has because people have uh, come up to me, even though I don't realize or don't try to, to do those things. But also, I think prophecy is even, it spans greater than just preaching and teaching. There's some people that have really phenomenal gifts of of prophecy and being able to tell people uh, a message, a message from God or, or a timely word to somebody who really, really needs that. It's, a, it's an amazing gift. And, and that's what Paul's talking about because he wants, he's saying to the young Corinthian church that, that prophecy has a greater value than tongues. In verse 5, he says, I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues. But I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelation to other people. Greater gain, greater gain comes through the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless there is an interpretation so that it builds up the entire church. My dear friends, what good, of it, what good is it if I come to you and always speaking in tongues? But if I come with clear revelation from God or with insight, or with a prophecy, or with a clear teaching, I can enrich you. My question is, is, has God ever used you to speak maybe a timely word to somebody? You know, has God ever used you to encourage somebody in a time that it, it, really, it really mattered? And it doesn't necessarily always have to be a, a life and death situation. I think even some words of confirmation are very helpful but Paul, that's what he's saying. He wants them to desire not only the gift of tongues, but prophetic revelation because it builds up the church. You know, he, he wants everybody to prophesy. And he doesn't have any problem 
with the gift of tongues. In, in fact, he encourages it in the scripture. He doesn't want to diminish it. The thing is, is that he just wants the proper use of it in the gathering. You know, if everyone in the congregation is speaking in unknown languages or heavenly languages or even unknown earthly languages to them, um, it's going to be kind of strange or chaotic for somebody that walks into the room and, and doesn't understand exactly what's happening. If you've ever been in a foreign country or spent time in a, in a foreign country or even just visited, um, if you've ever been in a room full of people that are speaking another language than what you speak, it's actually very disorienting and, and very overwhelming. It's kind of almost stressful, I would say, because you have no idea what is going on and your, your mind is trying to figure out what is happening, but you have no clue or reference to what is happening. But on the other hand, prophecy, it's going to bring greater gain to the entire church, what he writes, unless there's an interpretation for the one speaking in tongues. Now, you have to think that Paul's role as an apostle, it was the pioneer to establish the foundation of the early church. And it's interesting, I, I, I just kind of hit me that it's interesting that he places greater value on prophecy over tongues. You know, I want to understand why. But we have to remember that his mindset as an apostle, a missionary, and a pioneer was that he, he wanted to win as many people over to Christ as possible. And therefore, he wanted people, he encouraged the gifts people to, to seek the gifts that would be used to help establish and to strengthen the church. Now, sometimes as, as humans, we want to seek the, the gifts that are attractive. You know, maybe it's not tongues for us, because honestly, that might confuse us or we have no idea about us, but sometimes it might be a gift of worship or to be able to stand up here and to preach or, or some kind of visible gift. But Paul is actually saying that the, gift, the gifts that are used to build and strengthen the church are, are much more valuable than, than simply ones um, that seem really fancy or seem really cool. Like, I mean, the gift of tongues would be kind of cool. Wouldn't it be cool to speak a heavenly language or to pray in a heavenly language? I think that would be pretty amazing. But, or, you know, it, it'd seem pretty enthralling, especially if you're a new believer. But he, he's saying the gifts that are used, the ones that are greater, the ones that are used to build and strengthen the church. I just thought that was interesting from a perspective of an apostle who his whole life was to build the foundation and establish the church. And so I can see why he says that. But he also touches on other gifts in verse 6 other than uh, prophecy. He talks about the gift of revelation, if you look, verse 6. Revelation or, or knowledge, which means an uncovering or unveiling. Somebody that has the ability to uncover, unveil truth to people. They might be able to unlock a, a mystery that, that God has shown them and, and be able to share it with somebody else. And that word is, is used for the unveiling or mystery of Christ. We also have the gift of insight he talks about, which is wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. This person knows the mind of the Spirit. They receive special insight, wisdom, that can be applied to specific need that arises in the body or an individual that can bring great understanding or resolution to a problem or a rise. We, we, we see uh, an example of that in Acts 6, where um, there was the issue of the Greek widows being neglected, and they decided to choose seven deacons. Also, Daniel, we just went through the book of Daniel, who was a man of great wisdom and could, um, 
he could navigate uh, the courses of the king's affairs of life. Also, prophecy, direct words of encouragement, warning, comfort. We went over that. And lastly, teaching, the gift to clearly instruct and communicate knowledge, specifically the doctrines of the faith and truth in the Bible. These are all the gifts that can be used to build the entire church. So he includes other ones other than just simply prophecy. In verse 7, Paul provides a a further explanation on the use of tongues, and he uses this uh, music illustration. Verse 7, he says, Similarly, if musical instruments such as flutes or string instruments are out of tune and don't play an arrangement clearly, how will anyone recognize the melody? If the bugle makes a garbled sound, who will recognize the signal to show up for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak in a language that's easily understood, how will anyone know what you're talking about? You might as well save your breath. How can anyone know what song is being played if an instrument is out of tune? Or if it's not being being played correctly? Think of an orchestra or, or maybe a concert. And if each member were playing whatever they wanted to play and they didn't follow suit or, or if they weren't paying attention to the conductor and they just did what they want, how will the audience or how would anybody be able to know what they're playing or be able to benefit or even join in from what they're doing? And that's the analogy that, that Paul is using is that in, it's, it's not that we shouldn't desire gifts, but we should look into how to appropriately use our gifts and follow the way of love as we opened up. We want to follow the way of love and build and strengthen other people up. And in this case, he wanted to bring clarity and harmony and not confusion to the gathering at the Corinthian church. As you can imagine, it might sound very chaotic or, or be misinterpreted or misunderstood by somebody that wasn't accustomed to that gift. And he goes in, into a, another illustration, which is kind of, we're going to see that it's, it's almost, um, it really improves his next point. But he says, I suppose that the, word, the world has all sorts of languages, and each conveys meaning to the ones who speak it. But I'm like a foreigner if I don't understand the language. And the speaker will be like a foreigner to me. And that's what's happening among you. You're so passionate about embracing the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now become even more passionate about the things that strengthen the entire church. All of us here tonight, we should be passionate about the things that strengthen the entire church. Not just the things that strengthen us. Yes, it's good to have gifts that strengthen us, but more importantly, the things that strengthen the entire church. And I just wanted to talk about that at the tables. Um, Just kind of a question for you guys that we can talk about. I know we've been talking about gifts, but how are your gifts being used to strengthen the church? And if you don't know your gifts, maybe you can talk to people around your table. I know Dustin did that, but just real quick, in two minutes, how, how can your gifts be used to strengthen the church, or how are your gifts currently being used to strengthen the church? So you guys got two minutes.
about one minute. <clears throat> Yeah, one minute. About 30 seconds. You guys can begin to wrap that up. So how are, how are your gifts being used to strengthen the church? <clears throat> oh, man. Oh, shoot. How are your gifts being used to strengthen the church? I hope you guys have found some practical ways or, or found something that you guys can be doing to, to strengthen the church. And, and I think... That is the whole point of this message. I think God wants to encourage us. Hey, we, we all have gifts, and our gifts are best suited and best used to help other people grow, to help people be encouraged and um, for this whole church thing to work. And, and we think of church as a building. It's not a building. It's a gathering. You know, this is church right here. And Paul, um, back to the text, but Paul, he, he uses this illustration of, of, of this foreigner, you know, the speaker in the church or whoever, where, where tongues is be spoken of, of being a foreigner. And we don't really see it in the English word, but uh, we see it in the Greek word, where the word used is barbaros, which is, bar we get the word barbarian. Now, if you understand the Greek culture, they are very proud of, they're very proud of their culture, rather ethnocentric, and very proud of their language to the world. I mean, if you think of Alexander, he conquered the world, and wanted everybody to learn Greek, you know, wanted everybody to adopt a Greek culture. So they're very proud of this culture. And they, they coined this word barbaros because that's what they heard when other people spoke to the Greek mind. You know, the Greek language I, I was listening to today is very fluent. It's very flowy. It's almost very melodic, and, and it sounds very nice. But these other non-Greek languages sound very barbaric, and that's what they heard, barbar, barbar, if you think of Germanic languages or different tribal languages that people spoke. It, it sounded harsh. It sounded brutish, barbaric to their ears. And Paul, that's what he's using when he's explained this to him. He's like, don't you realize that you guys are sounding like barbarians to an outsider, which is kind of almost offensive to a Greek because they think that they're the ones that are cultured. And so it's like, you know, it's like them going to a church and seeing this, you know, if they have this picture. It's like, <laughs> which that might freak people out you know it doesn't freak me out I like Conan but 
they see a guy that is out of his mind and swinging a sword and, and yelling. That, that might freak some people out. And so he wanted to get their attention, and I think he does. But moving on, Paul gives a practical insight to the gift of tongues. He wants them to understand. Great to seek, seek the gifts. I want you to understand the gifts even more. Verse 13, so then if you speak in a tongue, pray for the interpretation to be able to unfold the meaning of what you're saying. He says, it's great that you speak in tongues. Pray that it may be interpreted so you can share it for everyone. Verse 14, he says, for, I am, for if I am praying in a tongue, my spirit is engaged in prayer, but I have no clear understanding of what is being said. So here's what I've concluded. This is important. He says, I will pray in the spirit, but I will also pray with my mind engaged. I will sing rapturous praises in the spirit, but I also sing with my mind engaged. Otherwise, if you're praising God in your spirit, how can someone without the gift participate by adding his amen to your giving of thanks? Since he doesn't have a clue on what you're saying. So this is kind of unusual because I was reading this and he was saying that he, he prays in tongues in the spirit and he also prays with his mind. And that's kind of out of my league. And it also says he, he sings in the spirit and also sings with his mind. It, it's kind of a mystery, but I think he hits it on the head in Romans eight twenty six. He says, in the same way, the spirit also joins to help us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And I think that's what he's, he's trying to talk about, is that we all have the Spirit inside of us. And there's times where in life or with other people that we're completely overwhelmed and at a loss for words. We may not even know how to pray or what to pray for. It could be a situation that you're in or, or situation somebody else is in, and, it, and it's just we're, we don't know what to do. And sometimes when we don't know how or what to pray for, the Spirit can begin to intercede for us. It's like this direct link to God. And I think the closest analogy or analogy I came up with was that, you know, if you ever had a conversation, a serious conversation with someone over text messages, it, it doesn't work out. You know, if you... you you know, if you, if, if, you, if you want to have a serious conversation with someone, then pick up the phone and call them. And, and it's going to be a lot clearer. It's going to be a lot more direct, and there's going to be less confusion. I think that's, that's kind of the analogy I get, is sometimes our mind doesn't know what's going on, how to pray, but that doesn't mean we, can have, we can't have the Spirit almost pick up the phone and, and dial straight to God so that it bypasses our mind and goes straight to God. And I think that's what he's kind of talking about. And, and for those who, you know, for those or most of us whom that's kind of over our head, it's like, wait a minute, he's praying, the Spirit's praying and he's praying at the same time? That's, that's out of, that doesn't make any sense. But I think something that I've been practicing is that I've been asking more, uh, I've been asking more uh, to the Spirit how to pray or what to pray, you know, when I feel lost or when I'm out of words. And Let's just face it, you know, most people that pray out loud, after 30 seconds, we run out of things to pray about. And I think it's great exercise to really ask, like, God, what should I pray for? How should I pray? What should I, should I pray for this person? Or how do you want me to pray for this event? And I think that's kind of a 
the baby steps in the beginning of, of learning to do this and learning to be in accord with the Spirit. It's just, it's going to be a lot easier just having the Spirit pick up the phone and, and you know, convey the message rather than us fumbling around trying to text something that uh, doesn't make sense. And so, and also, if you're going to call, you know, call people, you know, you don't need to text people if, you're, if you have something important to say. That's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I don't like texting very much because it always seems like it causes fights or misunderstanding. You know, I don't really like talking either on the phone, but that's a personal problem right there. So, I don't like phones in general, so we don't need them. <clears throat> but Paul, it's important. He wants to make the point. Our minds should be engaged. Our minds should be engaged when our, the Spirit is praying or when we're in church. And I, think, I thought this was interesting. There's some great cultural background. There was this Greek cult. Uh, they, they served the god of wine, you know, Dionysian god. And they, they engaged in these trance-like practices in order to reach this state of ecstasy, you know. And it was really to kind of return to this natural state and to be free of all inhibitions. And we kind of see that belief today, right? You've got people who believe that freedom is really to, to be free of all inhibitions. That's what they, their idea of freedom is, and that isn't the biblical view of freedom. Now, these people would, uh, it would be accompanied by music and intoxicants, and it was to reach the state of ecstasy uh, that they would be trying to go for, which is interesting. And I, and I thought that was interesting as a cultural background because that's not what Paul's advocating here. He's not advocating that the, the Corinthians enter into some mindless ecstasy or, or trance-like state. He says our mind should be engaged while we're praying or singing. And he claims that he can do it. He can uh, do it at the same time, which is fascinating. But Paul, he concludes in the last few verses. I know it's getting late. Verse 17 says, Your praise to God is admirable, but it does nothing to strengthen and build up others. I give thanks to God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He had the gift of tongues. But in the church setting, I would rather speak five words that can be understood than 10,000 exotic words in a tongue. That way, I could have a role in teaching others. That is the most important thing. Like, we're, like how we started the chapter, we want to make sure we're following in the way of love. We want to seek all gifts. It's great to seek the gifts of tongues. It's great to seek these spiritual gifts. But we want to make sure that we're not misusing these gifts and that these gifts are directed towards building the church. They're building other people up, encouraging people. And I, I just think that that's what we should leave with tonight is asking ourselves, what is my gift and how am I using that to benefit other people? It's okay to use a gift to benefit yourself and to, and to grow yourself, but... I think he's, he's more concerned about the growth of other people. I mean, you can almost take this passage and say, you can do 10,000 things for yourself, but it's better to do five things for other people than to do 10,000 things for yourself. And lastly, I just want to end with this quote from Booker T. I have it. Oh, that's the wrong Booker T. That's the wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> I meant Booker T, the, the educator, not the wrestler, the WWE wrestler. <clears throat> it says, if you want to lift yourself up, lift, lift up someone else. And I thought that was very wise for us and for us to, to think about that. 
We got to think about how we can lift other people up. And at the same time, we lift ourselves up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, that, that you want to give us gifts, that, that you um, even created us, Lord, and had the things in mind for us to do, Lord, even before we are here on earth. Lord, and I pray that everybody would know that or begin a journey to understand their gifts and just how valuable it is to, and how um, fulfilling it is to, to help other people, to strengthen the people. Lord, and I just pray that you would just unfold that, God, that you'd give people revelation, that you would uncover it for them and help us to see those gifts that might be hidden away or something that we might not even know is there, but, but you, want it, uh, you want them to know and to use that gift, Lord. So I, I pray for tonight, Lord, that, that we would be open to receive maybe gifts that, that are confusing to us or maybe we haven't received them before, but you want to give them to us, Lord but also that we would use the gifts and we use it for your glory. And we just pray this in your precious name. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.